How to have daily devotions. All right, so here's what I want you to think about. If you could only have one last communication with your closest friend by writing a letter to them, what would you say? Let's say you had a friend and you wouldn't see this person ever again. And you could only write one letter to them. What would you write in that letter? Would you have a story in there? Would you have analogies? Would you talk about things that they would need to do? Things that they would have to remember? Would you talk about things that you've done together? Would you remind that person of how much you care about them? What would you write? How long would that letter be? Well, you see, the Bible is God's complete love letter to us. Everything that you would ever need to know in life from a, from a God that loves you and would give everything for you is written in that book. It's complete. He doesn't have to add a PS. It's final. What are daily devotions? Well, daily devotions is just taking that time to read God's love letter. Quiet time is not reading a small passage of scripture each day in order to find some happy moral to brighten our lives. The purpose of this time is simply to quiet our hearts before the Lord and have fellowship with him. In other words, to better our relationship with God. And a lot of people just look at it from a legalistic standpoint. Like, I, I need to read the Bible, otherwise God doesn't love me. No, God still loves you, but he wants you to enter into that relationship with you. Couples who are in love do not need to be coerced into spending time together. You don't need people that are already in love and tell them, like, you know what? You really should hang out with your girlfriend. No, if they're in love, they're going to be spending as much time as possible with each other, even to the point of being awkward. Our walk with God is much like a spiritual marriage. Jesus, the bridegroom, has sought us out for eternal relationship. And the Bible and prayer are at the core in developing this relationship. The Bible we know is God speaking to us, and prayer is us talking with God. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said on the Bible and prayer. He says, one who lives without prayer, one who lives with little prayer, one who seldom reads the word, one who seldom looks up to heaven for a fresh influence from on high, will be the person whose heart will become cold and barren. But the person who calls in secret to their God, who spends much time in holy seclusion, who delights to meditate on the words of the Most High, whose soul is given up to Christ, who delights in his fullness, rejoices in its complete sufficiency, prays for his second coming, and delights in the thought of his glorious return. Such a person, I say, must have an overflowing heart, and as their heart is, so will their life be. It will be a full life. It will be a life that will speak from the grave and reverberate into the future. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, and plead with the Holy Spirit to keep it full. Otherwise, the outcome of your life will be feeble, shallow, and superficial, and you might as well not have lived at all. I wish I could say things as well as he did. Obviously, I can't. Here's what Andy Dean would say. The Bible should have this label. Warning! <laughs> this book is habit-forming. Regular use causes loss of anxiety and decreased desire to lie, cheat, steal, or hate. Common side effects may include increased sensations of love, peace, joy, and compassion. Andy, if you're listening to this, I think that was really corny. But I kept it in there because I love you. 
Read the Bible and pray every single day. And that's what you see in the Bible. Psalm 119 verse 162 says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. That's Andy's favorite verse. Prayer is a natural response to being given this treasure. God speaks to us through his word and we speak to God through prayer. It's not like you, sh you feel like compelled to pray out of obligation, but you feel com compelled to, to pray out of your relationship with God because you love him so much. It's just a natural thing to do. Why wouldn't I thank God? Why wouldn't I sing out to God after all that he's revealed to me? So why have daily devotions? Well, God created people for fellowship. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it says that they've made man in his image. 1 John 1, thir, uh, 3 through 4, it says, Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that you, your joy may be full. Jesus' quiet time was a source of his strength. Personal fellowship with his Father in heaven was a top priority of Jesus' life on earth. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and prayed. If prayer was that important for Jesus, how much more should it be important for you and I? If Jesus saw prayer as so important that he would have, have to actually set aside time to go to the mountains and pray, we are no exception. Now, have you ever gone without food for a day? If you go without food for too long, your strength will actually diminish. Your muscles will atrophy. And the same is true in your spiritual life. It's a sign for, of health for a Christian to have an appetite for the word of God. If you're hungry, that shows something's good. But if you got a stomach virus, you know that you, you're not going to have that appetite because you're sick. So you're a healthy Christian if you're hungry for the word of God. I remember years ago when I was first having like this, this uh, spiritual epiphany, um, I, I couldn't get enough of the word of God. I was going online for sermons. I was doing Bible study methods. I was doing everything I could to get my hands on the word of God because I wanted to know what God had to say to me. I didn't want to miss out on a single week of impact because I was afraid that the one week I miss will be the week that God wanted to say something specific about my future. Many Christians consistently try to get by with just one meal a week on Sunday morning, but you guys know that you'll, you'll die if you only eat once a week. Now, how long would you go without bathing? You may not want to answer that question. But a daily quiet time is like a spiritual bath. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 says that much. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. If you don't want to stink, you better wash yourself with the word. And you know what? There are so many times that I've come to the word of God and I'm expecting to be like, everything's fine, Alan, just keep doing on what you're doing. And I'm like, oh man, I smell terrible. Because the word does convict and tells you what you need to change in your life, which is good. Because anytime it convicts you, it's only to make you more like Jesus. Now, we also want to go over the privilege in devotions. It's an opportunity to worship God. We get direction from God in reading our devotions. We delight in God and we become more Christ-like. Now, some of you may have excuses for not doing your devotions. Like, I do not have time for daily devotions. Well, we all have the same 168 hours each week and we make time for what is important to us. You'll find that if you really want to do something, you're going to make time to do it. All of you make time to eat. All of you, you know, go throughout your day, 
and you make sure that you're going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's because it's important to you how much more spiritual food. If you are too busy to have daily devotions, then you are too busy, period. Martin Luther, Luther said, I have so much to do today that I must spend at least three hours in prayer, which seems counterintuitive to most of us, because if you have less time, then you would spend less time in prayer. But that's how essential this is to our lives. And if only we could see that, we would take it that much more seriously. Here are some tips for your devotions. First of all, no script can be written for you. We're not going to be able to give you a, a kind of like an outline on this is exactly how to have a perfect devotional time. It's going to be different for everyone uh, that comes here. But we'll be as close to God as we want to. Everything that you could possibly want to know about God is written in this book. And to the degree that you read it, it's to the degree that you will draw closer to God. As the Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw closer to you. But here are some suggestions for you to consider as you plan out this quiet time with God. First of all, begin with the right attitude. Pray for a couple attitudes. Number one, expectancy. How many of us open up our Bible in the morning and we're actually expecting for God to give us something that we will carry throughout our day, maybe not even to influence us, but to influence someone else? Pray for reverence, that your heart would be prepared and still before his majesty and holiness. Pray for alertness. I need that prayer because you know what? I wake up and it's so hard to do morning devotions. I'm just not a morning guy. And sometimes you read something, you have to read it again because you don't even know what you just read. And also pray for teachability that you'll come for the purpose of doing what God asks despite your opinions. It's also important to choose a consistent time. Many people say always give God the best part of your day. And for most of us, early in the morning usually works best. Not true for me, but as I've grown in the Lord, I've realized how essential it is to start off your day in God's word, not just end your day. I've done night devotions for years. Actually, it wasn't until the beginning of last year that I started doing morning devotions. That's just me being honest because it was so hard for me to even start devotions when I was in high school that what I had to do, this is a practical tip for you. If you're like, I'm finding it hard to read my, my Bible every day, take your Bible and put it on your pillow when you leave for school. That way, to go to bed, you'll actually have to physically remove your Bible and say, I am not reading my Bible today and go to bed. It's convicting and it's worked for me. So that's just because I've always been a nighttime person. I always have my devotions at night. And as I matured and grew in the Lord, I couldn't just have night devotions. I had to have morning devotions too. And this is what missionary Hudson Taylor would say. You don't tune up the instruments after the concert is over. There's pluses to, and minuses to each of them. Um, doing my devotions at night allows me to reflect on my day so I can journal, I can write things down, and I can talk about what I've seen play out in my life and really reflect on what the Lord spoke to me. But the Bible encourages any time. It says in Psalm 63, verse 1, early will I seek you. Nehemiah talks about midday. Psalm 119 says night watches, and Psalm 1 says day and night. What matters most is that you establish a regular time. You be consistent, because if you have consistent uh, time that you meet with the Lord, you form a habit and it'll allow you to uh, make sure you do that every single day. How much time should we spend? Well, aim to spend not less than 15 minutes a day with God in your personal devotions. 15 minutes can either feel like eternity or it can feel really short, just depending on who you are as a person. 
it's just a good rule of thumb. This is not like a legalistic thing. You're not supposed to like go home and, and set your, you know, look at your clock and as soon as 15 minutes is over, you just stop. It's just a good way to form a good habit. Out of the 168 hours a week we have, that's uh, only one hour and 45 minutes of your weekly routine, which is terribly small when you consider that you were created to have a meaningful relationship with God. The best thing for you to do is if you want to be consistent with your time is not hold up a clock, but set an alarm. So if you really have to go to school, instead of looking at the clock and checking every five minutes, just be able to focus in what God's doing by setting an alarm so that you don't miss school or whatever. Choose a consistent location. The place you choose ought to be a quiet and secluded place where you can, where you can be alone and undisturbed, unless it's a place where your parents can't find you and when your parents look for you, figure you've escaped from home, they call me in panic and then I tell them, don't worry, they're just doing their devotions. In today's noisy world, this may take some ingenuity, but it is important. And it'll become special because of the wonderful times you've had with Jesus. There's certain places in my room, certain little locations that I have to kneel, that I can, I consistently do my devotions that become special to me because I know this is the place where I'm meeting with the Lord. Not being super spiritual, not being weird, but it's just good to have a consistent location. Practice true reading. Do you read the Bible in a hurried way? Just a little tidbit and off you go. Do you soon forget what you have read? Be resolved to get it at its soul, its juice, its life, its essence, and to drink in its meaning. You will never get comfort for your soul out of what you do not understand, nor find guidance for your life out of what you do not comprehend. And that's just a good rule of thumb. Because many of us, myself included, can go through your devotions and just when you've had it the same way for so long, sometimes you get used to it and you can neglect it. That's why it's important to also vary the way that you, you do devotions. Once you have a consistent habit of doing it at this time in this location, if you get too used to it, just like with regular muscles, you need to do different exercises to stretch yourself. It's important to also change it up in your devotions so that you remain uh, aware of what you're doing. Also, if you are to understand what you read, you will need to meditate upon it. This simply means to carefully and slowly consider what you've read until you fully understand what God is speaking to you from the passage of Scripture. Not being weird and saying like you, you should sit down and go like, oh, and like concentrate really hard. But meditate just means to carefully and slowly consider. And that means you take it with you as you go about your day. A.B. Simpson wrote, God has hidden every precious thing in such a way that it is a reward to the diligent, a prize to the earnest, but a disappointment to the slothful soul. All nature is arrayed against the, the, I don't even know what that is, the lounger, the lounger and the idler, idler. The nut is hidden in its thorny case. The pearl is buried beneath the ocean waves. The gold is imprisoned in the rocky bosom of the mountains. The gem is found only after you crush the rock which encloses it. The very soil gives its harvest as a reward to the laboring farmer. So truth in God must be earnestly sought. It's been said that little perspiration leads to little inspiration. I always thought that was really funny. Just imagine someone sweating when they're reading their Bible. That would be funny. So meditation. Don't overlook facts. Facts. Biblical facts are often missed for three reasons. Number one, we rush through a passage too quickly. Number two, we don't write down our observations. And number three, we give up too soon. 
The longer you squeeze an orange, the more juice you're going to get out of it. In the same way, the more you squeeze the Bible, not physically, but with your brain. If you're psychic and you can use telekinesis to like squeeze your Bible. I'm just kidding. Just shake your head, Vinny. That's, that's okay. The more you spend time in the Word of God, the more you're going to get out of it. It's just the way it is. Memorize verses consistently. Scripture memorization is sadly neglected. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word is I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And a good example of this truth is Christ's temptation in the wilderness. Each time Satan was questioning him, trying to tempt him, Christ would respond with the word of God. It's so important to have verses that you've held on to so that when you are challenged, when Satan throws his fiery darts at you, you can combat them with scripture. When someone is telling you you're worthless, you know that you're made in the image of God because of what the Bible says. When someone calls you names, you know what God thinks about you because you know what the Bible says. Not only is scripture memory vital for getting victory over Satan, it is also essential for staying close to the Lord throughout the day. Now, you should also have a basic plan. It could be simple as briefly pray, praise God, read the Bible, meditate or memorize, journal, and close in prayer. So you may start off by briefly praying and saying, Lord, as I read your word, I pray that you illuminate my mind to just realize everything you want me to realize. Then you can go into praising God. And thank you, God, for allowing me this time to hear from you. Thank him for what he has done. Then read the Bible Meditate or memorize on one key verse in your passage that you're like, this really sticks out to me. Write it down. And then you can close in some more prayer that God would keep those words in your heart. Guard yourself from routine like we've talked about before. Any good relationship is built on a variety of activities and experience. And the same holds true with your relationship with God. Never become devoted to the habit, only to the Savior. Wilbur Chapman wrote about the core components. Study it through, pray it in, put it down, work it out. Study it through. So basically what he's saying is never begin a day without mastering a Bible verse. Then he says to pray it in. Make sure that you're asking God to help you remember some of the things that he's speaking to you. Put it down by writing it down in a journal or whatever, and then work it out. Take that verse with you and see ways to apply that verse throughout your day. Uh, so maybe you're, you're taking the verse that says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Redeemer. If you take that verse, you wrote it down, and then you're like, I need to apply this practically. Okay, well, before I say something dumb, let me make sure that God is guarding my words and my heart. Reading the Bible in a year? Slow down. Only reading your favorite verses, maybe you should read the Bible in a year. Been listening to Sunday sermons each week, but you never really think about them? How many of us do that? Why not read that passage each day during the week so you can prayerfully apply it? The real key is, are you wanting to draw close to God? And if you are, then you're going to do different things to just make sure that you're not getting used to it. You know, you ever just read the Bible, it just becomes an obligation. That's a problem. You should look at that and say, you know what? I need to find something to make it more exciting. And there are plenty of ways to do that. 
So if you're like sitting in a sermon on Sunday, you're like, I just don't understand this at all. Why don't you just take every day throughout that week to read the passage for next week so that you can come to it with your own thoughts and be prepared and look at it at a different light. Change your plan however you want, but remember these two main questions that need to be answered in any daily devotion plan you create. Number one, what does God want to say to me? And number two, what does God want me to do? Read to meet with Jesus. One of the main reasons why we study the Bible is to get to know the author better. Sometimes we might miss Jesus in the things that we're reading because we're just doing it as, as an obligation. And that is why setting a goal for a Bible study that focuses solely on gaining knowledge and facts misses the point. There are plenty of biblical scholars out there that are not Christian. Plenty of Jewish people out there that are not Christian that study maybe memorize even portions of scripture in the Old Testament, but they missed out on Jesus and miss out on the entire point. Paul the Apostle is like, I was the most religious Pharisee there was until he met Jesus. And then he was ready to throw out all that stuff because he had missed the point. Those who read to meet with Jesus find the soul of scripture. What did Jesus say? You search the scriptures and these are they which testify of me. The scriptures lead us directly into God's heart, so missing him in all our study would be a failure to grasp the most important lesson. He is in everything, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So when we see a priest in scripture, it reminds us that Jesus is our high priest. When we see a king or a shepherd, it is a type of Jesus, so on and so forth. Always look on how you can find Jesus in all of scripture. There's actually, here's a recommendation for you. If you're looking for a new Bible, uh, get the ESV uh, gospel what is it? Gospel Center. No, it's not. What's it called? I can't, I'm drawing a blank now. <sighs> Gospel Coalition Bible. Darn it. Someone has this Bible. What is it? Come on, Chelsea. What's that Bible? Help me out. Yes, thank you. I'm just drawing a blank today. Gospel Transformation Bible. I have it at home. Amazing insights throughout all of Scripture on how you can see Jesus in the big picture it's great a key verse take it with you write down your favorite verses on post-it notes or consider buying a new bible and read a chapter a day and each day underline your favorite verse after you've finished reading the entire book go back and circle one verse that is your favorite verse of the book from underline ones and after you've read the whole bible you'll have 1189 favorite verses underlined and 66 all-time favorite verses it's great like if you just want to try something new just buy a brand new Bible. This is what I did last beginning of last year. Bought a brand new Bible and just underline one verse so that I know my entire Bible has underlines on every single page. I have my favorite verse and then you can circle your favorite verse from each uh, book. So you have 66 favorite verses of each book and then 1,189 verses from each chapter. It's great. You will feel the spiritual battle, the battle of the blankets. Almost every morning, you'll be tempted to hit the snooze button and sleep in. And this is still true for me. Most true this past week. But you must resist at all costs. Go to bed early enough and with thoughts of scripture. It is that important. Leave your Bible open to the passage you'll read the next morning and get out of bed as soon as you wake up. And we all know just five more minutes really means 50 more minutes. Who are you fooling, smiley face? <laughs> that was me this morning. But I had a late day today, so it worked. 
Concentration, our minds easily wander, so be aware. If you are sleepy, pray aloud and with your eyes open in order to stay alert. You know how many times I've been so, like I'm telling you, morning devotions was not my thing. You know how many times I've woken up and I'm just shouting. I'm like, Lord, help me. I cannot concentrate. You have to like do pull-ups. Actually, that's what I was doing too. I did like pull-ups as soon as I would wake up to get my heart beating, but then I just feel really lightheaded. I don't know why I'm talking to you, Vinny, but I'm looking right at you. So, You feel convicted, Vinny? Just kidding. Never have your quiet time in bed. Wake yourself up, take a shower, drink some coffee, eat breakfast. If, you, if there's snow outside, just jump in the snow. Remember to keep a notebook handy for to-dos. That way you can jot it down and not worry about forgetting that important task. Actually, it might be a good thing is if you have someone that's really mad at you, ask them to sleep over your house and then punch you in the morning so that you're awake for your devotions. <laughs> that's great. I just thought of that right off the top of my head. Great idea. Dry seasons. Sometimes you may feel like you are not getting anything out of, out of your daily devotions. Welcome to the club. But obedience is more important than our emotions. Feelings come and go, but the word of the Lord endures forever. If you only had your quiet time on the days when you felt like it, the devil would make sure that you never felt like it. An attitude that devotions are nice but not necessary will not help you in life. Just think about it. Obviously, Satan wants to battle you to make sure that you never read your Bible. That's his greatest tactic, is to stay away from that quiet time you have with the Lord. If he can get you away from the Bible, that means he can effectively get rid of your relationship with God, or at least really harm it. So make sure that you're, you're spending that time and recognize the spiritual battle that you're in. Dry season, some possible reasons for that. Number one, disobedience. Are there sins that you need to confess or repent of? Number two, your physical condition. Are you getting enough rest? Rushing, don't try to do too many things. Routine, watch for staleness, mix it up a little. Selfishness, share your insights with others. Satan's strongest attacks will come in connection with your desire to be diligent in your quiet time. If he can keep you out of the word, he's defeated you. Now, what should you do to persevere in your quiet times? Number one, be honest with God and how you feel. Tell God if your heart feels cold with no motivation. Just be honest. Be like, Lord, I don't feel like reading the Bible today. I'm sorry. It's just the way I am. And he will meet you right where you're at. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 that those who wait on the Lord shall renew, in other words, exchange their strength. Christians aren't supposed to stir up their willpower, but instead exchange human energy for divine energy. So don't give up. It is so important to persevere. Wilbur Smith once said, if the time has gone for a devotional reading on any one day before the chapter has yielded some truth for our souls, then we can give it further thought while riding down to work in your car as you go about your normal activities. But do not let that particular passage in the word remain for you a barren area. Keep drilling through the soil and rock until you strike living water. So like I said, I'm convinced that one of Satan's strongest and successful theme, schemes against God's people is blinding us in the importance of reading his word and spending time with him. And he wants us to live spiritually bankrupt and destitute lives. If you miss a meal, it does not mean that you should give up eating. The same is true of your quiet time. 
It takes time to develop and maintain good habits. So remember, a habit is like a ball of twine. Probably none of you will remember that because I don't remember that. But every time you drop it, many strands unwind. So be sure to be consistent and avoid exceptions. There will be times that you miss a day here and there. But just make sure that you get right back into that habit and persevere. Just like if you miss a meal, doesn't mean you stop. But just like with everything, it takes practice. And it's better to spend 15 minutes a day practicing an instrument than a couple hours one day a week and learning that instrument. In the same way, if you're spending 15 minutes a day in God's word just trying to have a good devotional life, that's going to go a long way rather than trying to take it all up on yourselves uh, immediately. And that's something I tried to do early on when I was just trying to form a habit. I would read, I think there was one time I read 20 chapters in Jeremiah in one, one sitting. And then I just stopped. I was like, I can't read for another week. <laughs> it was just so much at once, and it was Jeremiah. But what I learned is just start off reading one verse, one verse a day. Then read one psalm. Once you've read one psalm, read one chapter. If you read one chapter a day and you just focus and meditate on that one chapter, that will go a long way. And in fact, that's what I did. For many years, I just read, read one chapter of the Bible a day. There are actually some people in this youth group that were like, really? You only read one chapter? And they like stop reading like four chapters a day because they're like, wow, I, th I thought Alan was holy, but apparently I'm holier than Alan, which is true. You were. You are holier than me. But if you can take one chapter, one book, and really meditate on that, that is better than just going all out and trying to read as much of the Bible as possible. I remember actually... There was one time that Andy was trying to read 16 chapters a day because he wanted to read the Bible uh, four times in a year. It was a great goal, but I was just like, I just don't understand how you can do that every single day. It's like, and it, like he would come into work and he'd be like, oh man, that was, it was hard this morning. I was like, you see, don't you see? And he's like, yeah, but it's fun. I was like, well, I guess if you're having fun, you can do that. So it just depends. And it's going to be different for everybody. Some people can handle four chapters a day. Some people can handle one chapter a day. The question is, are you pushing yourself? Just like when you go to the gym, sometimes you look at everyone else, you're like, all right, and you show off and you, you try to lift as much as possible. Once upon a time, I was at Dave Duquesne's house <laughs> with Jason Williams and some other people, and I hadn't benched in a while. And down in Dave's basement, he has like, you know, a bench and whatever and some weights. And so I, I vaguely remembered the max weight I was able to do three years prior. So I put on the max weight that I did three years prior. I was like, got this. And Jason's like, all right, I'm going to the other room. So I'm by myself. I lift off and bam, just falls on my neck. I'm like, ah. I'm like, help, help. And Jason's like, what is that sound? And then he looks at me and sees like I'm choking to death. And he stops and he's laughing. He's like, really? I'm like, help me. So don't do that. Don't try to lift more than you can handle. Oh, was I on the wrong side that whole time? So there are some resources we could get into, but um, recommended devotional books. Just so you know, devotional books should never replace your, your time in God's word, but they can just be helpful in starting up your time, just thinking about little things that the Lord has to speak to you through, through scripture. So I'm actually going through a day's journey with John Corson right now. Just have it right next to my bed. It's kind of like the starter before I get to my actual Bible reading. It's been, it's been really cool. Um, just because it's a couple paragraphs, a little exhortation on a little bit of scripture. But here are some of them. Morning and Evening, Charles Spurgeon, Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers, 
so on and so forth. Um, so those are just great ways to get you started on a couple other things. And apparently, you can get these daily devotion pads still at www.devotions.me. They're free if you want. Andy Dean made them a long time ago. So all that to say, make sure that you have someone who can hold you accountable to your time of devotions. I just remember just now that I've had notes, and they're in my back pocket this entire time. But that's okay. I probably didn't miss anything I wanted to say. Oh. Here's a great line. Daily devotions are more about progress than they are about perfection. When we wait for perfect circumstances to have quality time with the Lord, they rarely occur. I agree, Andy Dean. I agree with you. So ask yourself, if everyone in the church was to have the same devotional time as I am currently having, how would they be doing spiritually? If I saw all the pastors, if I saw Pastor Lloyd, and he had the same devotional life that I'm having, how would he be doing spiritually? What would happen in his life? I can tell you right now, if I am not in the word, things are just going to plummet in my life easily. It's just because I'm not reminding myself of what God has, has spoken in his word, and I have no direction for my life. So I'm just going to be self-directing, and that will only lead me into trouble. And the same thing's with you guys. To be looking to apply the word every single day. And sometimes you'll read it and it's not going to be as exciting as the day before. But you just put that in the folder in the back of your mind. And say, you know what? Maybe it doesn't apply to me right now. But it could apply to me later. Or it can apply to someone else. So it's just a good habit. And this is something I talked about with Dave recently. This is a good habit to read as if you're going to teach this to somebody else. Take that. Like if I was to, to read what I, I just read this morning. Would I be able to to effectively communicate that in my own words to someone that I meet uh, throughout the day. Because maybe God would have you do that with someone. And I've seen that many, many, many times throughout high school, throughout college, that I just read one little scripture and I look to share it with someone and it was the exact word that that person needed. How many times, I can't even count how many times I've been in prayer meetings and something I read that morning or that week that really spoken to me, I just read it out loud for the congregation and people were blessed and said, man, that was a scripture I needed for the day. So you, you can see God do those same things in your life if you're just willing. 